Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. It's where the shapers of business meet the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. My very special guest today is Jez Nelson, jazz broadcaster, co-founder and CEO of content agency and production company Something Else. So we are definitely in the world of music and in the world of business. As a student on a week's work experience with Tomorrow's World, Jez walked from the studio into the next door set of Top of the Pops. This, he says, was a formative experience. Sitting in the gallery and watching that go out is still one of the most exciting moments of my life. In the mid-80s, frustrated by the lack of jazz on the radio, Jez, along with fellow Jazz FM presenter Chris Phillips and DJ Giles Peterson, set up a jazz-only pirate radio station, K-Jazz, in southwest London, which survived on its 25-watt transmitter for two years. Jez joined Jazz FM shortly after we won our London licence in 1989 and presented Something Else, a four-hour nightly feast of contemporary and classic jazz, gifting him interviews with Herbie Hancock, Nina Simone, Wayne Shorter and jazz greats aplenty. He co-founded his content agency and production company, also called Something Else, in 1991, and the self-described audience business now works across all platforms, providing quality content, services and strategy for a wide range of brands and broadcasters. We'll be talking to Jez in a few minutes about all of this, about why for him the audience always comes first, about his aim to become the UK's biggest podcast producer, and about his return to Jazz FM in 2015 with a revived something else. We've also got brilliant music today from, amongst others, Kenny Burrell, Abdullah Ibrahim and Nina Simone. This is Jazz Shapers. Here's Lizette Wilson with Caveman Boogie. That was Lizette Wilson with Caveman Boogie and Jez Nelson and I were just talking about how it took us back a little bit to a certain period of time in our lives. Definitely does. Um, I haven't heard that for years and years and years, but very much a kind of sound that I love and uh, associated with my kind of old clubbing days and definitely my pirate radio days as well. It's really good to have you on the programme. It's always funny um, interviewing someone who normally is in, in the driving seat, so I'm, I'm sure I'll get usurped quite quickly. <laughs> um, Jez, welcome Thank here you. in this capacity, obviously you have a program on the station, and back in the day, uh, Jazz Nelson and Jazz FM parted company at the very beginning. Well, yes, I mean, first of all, I guess the the, the happy thing was that that I was uh, given a given a job on Jazz FM because I'd been a pirate radio DJ and doing it for the love of it. And who'd have thought at the age of, ooh, I don't know, well, mid twenties. I'll never forget the um, message on my answer phone when I came home from Dave Lee, who was uh, one of the guys who set up Jazz FM, and there was a message on my answer phone, which in those days was like a, a, a tape, like a micro cassette. Sunday afternoon, got home, and there was a message from Dave, who, was a, who is a brilliant, crazy guy, who was a piano player, wrote the theme tune, so that was the week that was, best mates with Peter Sellers, brilliant jazz guy, and he left this, Jazz man, Jazz, we want you to come and be on Jazz FM. And, uh, wow, it completely changed my life. So that was 
amazing. I got to be on at work on Jazz FM before it even launched. I helped put the kind of whole music together, worked on the programming. And then I was given the ultimate gift, which was to present the nighttime show because, you know, Chris Phillips, my great friend to this day, he, he had a daytime show and um, he had pressure on him. He had people watching him. But as those of you who work in radio will know, at night, it's great. You get away with it. because Do what you like. Yeah, because none of the bosses are listening. Um, <laughs> particularly in those days, it was probably harder to listen again. It was tapes and stuff. So I was there at night, 10 till 2 in the morning, four hours of playing whatever I wanted to do. And genuinely, I'm pretty, pretty sure that was the greatest job I ever had in my life for a year and a half coming to the radio station that, well, actually, I'd come in at midday. It was crazy. I'd get all the stuff together, and then I'd be on at 10 at night until 2 in the morning, four or five days a week, having a ball. And that was a glorious, glorious moment when Jazz FM in that era um, was run by people who absolutely loved the music and were kind of out there on a mission, and we did incredible things. <laughs> Lots of things wrong with it, which meant that ultimately, um, in terms of a business proposition, it kind of went a bit wonky. And therefore, um, it went through the first of uh, several transitions. It's now, you know, in a happy place and uh, part of a big radio group and well-supported and all of that. But, you know, it's been through loads of transitions, Jazz FM. And during that period, because the business went a bit wonky, inevitably people started saying, oh, jazz isn't commercial. You need to kind of change the programming. So, again, I got home. In fact, I'll I tell you the story. I'd been out on my bike on Hampstead Heath and I got a phone call from classic Chris Phillips. Chris called me and said, uh, Jez, are you getting all your tunes sorted out for tonight? Yeah, are you, you got all your music sorted out? Yeah, don't bother, you've been sacked. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. And I was off Jazz FM because I, I always say I was sacked by Jazz FM for playing jazz. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the introduction. That's Jez Nelson. Jez Nelson is absolutely in the house and you were sacked for playing jazz. What a disgrace. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to move on quickly. We're going to play some more music. I want to come back and talk about the commercial world that you've entered into and how you've straddled those two worlds of playing what you want to do, creating content you want to make, but also making a buck. Stay with me for much more for my brilliant jazz shaper. It's Jez Nelson. Time for music right now. It's Kenny Burrell with Midnight Blue. Midnight Blue, Jez Nelson's my business shaper, former, as you've been listening earlier, I hope you heard, former uh, Jazz FM presenter and now business person. I'm going to call you a business person, but you're a bit more than that, aren't you? Can I just go back? When you were describing that 10 till 2 slot to me, your eyes lit up properly. We don't know each other well, Mm. so you maybe do that all the time. But there was a sense, I think, of utter joy Mm. and passion and you absolutely remembering that moment. What is it for someone like you who loves music, who's a presenter as well as uh, running a business, what is it about the act of, of sharing music like that that gives you such a big buzz? Yes, that's a, good, that's a very good way of uh, describing it because it is about sharing it. I don't know, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because I love music so much and when I watch musicians playing, I'm so in awe of them and I think what an incredible joyful experience that must be to make music, particularly jazz music, which is so often spontaneous and made in the, in the moment, 
What a joy to make that music and to share it with people and to have people feedback and think, wow, that's fantastic. And I'm not a musician and I wish I was. I wish I could play an instrument and I wish I could share in that experience. So I guess the closest I can get to that is actually having a real passion for that music. I think having a kind of understanding for music, having good taste in music and then sharing that with um, an audience. I also like, I guess, I, if I'm honest about it, I like the idea of sort of performing um you know i i i i guess when i was a kid i thought oh, would i be an actor or something but i really like that that idea so for me the joy of broadcasting with music in general and that period particularly was the bringing together of you know something i love which is broadcasting performing and the music and it was such an incredible time because unlike today when there's so much media out there and you can find at that time, if you were into that music, you had to really hunt it out. And Jazz FM came on air before Kiss FM, so there was an audience who was so so needed an alternative to pop radio, and we gave them that. So it was incredibly interactive, and I'd sit in the studio for four hours a night, and people would ring in all the time. They'd pop in. I just, you know, it was just, it was joyous. So who thought I'd be doing it at that age, really? And the other side of the speaker, as it were, is someone like me, who was in his late teens, uh, 18, 19, with a group of friends sitting in the suburbs of London saying, thank you for saving us. I mean, it was really like that because there was just no choice. I think Kiss at that point was a, uh, was a pirate. Well, this was the thing. I mean, Kiss had gone for the license that Jazz FM got. Jazz FM won it, which was quite controversial. But Kiss came off air in order to, 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 to be able to apply for a license to go legal. So there was this vacuum into which Jazz FM slotted. And although some of Jazz FM was, you know, as it should have been, quite mainstream and quite jazz, people like myself and Chris and Giles Peterson, we were playing jazz but we were also playing funk and soul and hip-hop so there was this massive it was the moment when all of that was blowing up so for frankly for a year year and a half it was like we had the you know territory to ourselves it was wonderful and then you set up a business i mean this is <clears throat> pretty forward looking for a presenter at that point and obviously you're there are all sorts of presenters on the radio you're a very well educated presenter you've got a degree you've done other things i want to come on to talk about your first real job in selling drugs which we'll um, explain <laughs> we'll explain yeah. properly in a moment don't worry um but what gave you the sense that actually well, i need to do something and it isn't just going to be about jez nelson it's gonna have to be an entity behind it to some degree, I've always been a bit of a kind of hustler. I've always, like, from a very young age, I was, like, working and always, always looking to try and find ways to sort of make money and, and be self-motivated and stuff. And I guess what happened, and it's relevant, we'll come back to it, I did a job when I left university that I really, although it was quite useful to me, I really hated it. I had a taste of, of, of real life, if you like, working for other people and, and doing something you don't like. And also because I was a sort of DJ, I'd done the pirate radio stuff and also I'd been a club DJ. So all through my time, you know, in Pirates and Jazz FM, was running clubs, you know, cash in hand, on the door, making money, finding ways to do things. And genuinely what happened, I told the story quite a few times, when Jazz FM made, got rid of me, there were three of us, there was myself, Chris Phillips, and Sunita Elaine, who worked at Jazz FM in, in sort of PR and communications, who, by the way, has now been recently announced as the very first ever black head of an Oxbridge college. She's the master of a college in Cambridge. We literally, the next day after we'd been made redundant, stroke sacked, she was made redundant, I was sacked. We, got, we took £500 each and we went to the NatWest on Edgware Road, which is the nearest bank to Jazz FM, and we put... £500 each into an account, and we said, what are we going to do? We're going to start a business. Now, we at that time were running clubs anyway, so that was the kind of start of what we did. So we simultaneously started running clubs, but also thinking, 
we love radio. Um, how can we do something in radio? And the independent radio sector didn't really exist. So I guess it was, it was just you know, so many people who say this who run businesses. It was necessity. I needed to do something. I needed to earn money. And also, to be honest with you, I really didn't want to work for anybody else. That was a massive driving factor for me. Having done one job, which I... I really didn't like. And then having been at Jazz FM, which I did love, but thinking, well, you know what? I feel like I could kind of do this myself. I don't particularly want to be answerable to anybody else. More from my guest, Jez Nelson, in a couple of minutes. But first, let's hear a taster from the latest New Sessions podcast, which can be found on all of the major podcast platforms. Mish Gondorea's Haley Geffen explores the world of blockchain and how it affects you and your business. The New Sessions, hosted by Haley Geffen. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Hello, I'm Hayley Geffen, and you're listening to the News Sessions from Mishkondorea, where we take a look at a key area of law hitting the headlines. Today, we're talking about blockchain. What is blockchain, and why should we care? Well, it might just be the future of transactions, and let's face it, we all make a lot of those. Here to discuss is corporate lawyer Tom Grogan, Real estate lawyer Nick Kirby and IP lawyer Anne Rose, all from Mishkondorea. So, Tom, here's a challenge for you. Explain blockchain in less than 60 seconds. I guess blockchain, in, in simple terms, is, is a ledger, a way of recording um, and auditing transactions and tracking ownership of a thing from time to time. Yeah, it could be anything. It could be a creative asset, such as rights to a song. It could be a stock trade. It could be a property title. And every time something moves from one place on the register to another, it is time-stamped and publicly recorded. But why do you need that instead of what we've got currently? What's the difference between what you've just described and what we do currently? I guess that's the inherent problem with digital assets versus physical assets. In the real world, so to speak, we know there is a thing because we can see it. You can't copy a piece of paper uh, without visibly seeing there are now two pieces of paper, whereas you have a digital asset and you can select it, you can copy and paste, and you can send it to all of your friends. Mark Andreessen, who is like a very prominent American investor and wrote some of the earliest computer browsers, probably says it best when he says that blockchain and other DLT forms, distributed ledger technology forms, for that matter, give us for the very first time a way of tracking digital assets so that we can be confident that a transfer has taken place, that no one can challenge the legitimacy of that transfer, and that that transfer can be safe and secure. The News Sessions, in partnership with Mishkan Dereya. Find more of the News Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkan Dereya. It's business but it's personal. You can hear all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed hear this programme again with Jez by asking Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, the full archive awaits. So many brilliant Shapers over the last seven years plus and there'll be more in 2020, but more of that later in the year. But back to today, it's Jez Nelson, broadcaster, co-founder and CEO of content agency and production company Something Else. That was then... We're now, how many years on are we? Almost. The business is 28 years old now. And you mentioned the word necessity, and you also talked about not being answerable and the things, as you said, they're quite classic uh, reasons why people say they're going to do it. Now you are responsible for working with some really big businesses, some really big brands. You've got some A-listers who are you are essentially managing talent-wise in terms of a, a, an output. You're doing all sorts of things. 
could you have envisaged then that this is what it would become? No, not at all. Not, not, not only because, you know, I don't know if anyone can really imagine the, the sort of future and a place where they're doing so, you know, things they're so happy with and so proud of, but also because in a sense, the business that we now run just didn't exist. Not only was there no independent radio sector, um, which is kind of where we really made our initial moves, if you like, there was obviously no, there was no internet unbelievably um and you know there weren't any podcasts and actually when we really started the business we there was a point in our business where we might have become promoters we were like well we were doing lots of live promotion and doing radio and like which way do we go ultimately we followed i think which was was our greater passion but no i mean i i I had no idea other than you know we started the business really very young and we were definitely making it up as we went along still still are but for a long while we were really making it up as we went along what i love about the rangers and for people that don't know you know you've got the david tennant does a podcast you've got the commode and mayo's uh, film review the some stuff on swarovski which is your one of your social media um projects it's the range i mean the range is great but it feels like you've nailed the quality point there's obviously an aesthetic and a, and a house style as it were that jez and the team have how is that where have you got that from you mentioned in terms of music that you need taste is it just taste jez or where else does this come from I mean, anyone who runs a business will uh, always say that the real trick is just employing, you know, people who are better than you and share your your values. And I think really that's come from the fact that that it's been a real battle. Genuinely, anyone will tell you who's in the sort of independent production sector, which is where we've been, you know, for a long time. It's much wider than that now because, we, you know, we work for broadcasters and we work for brands now. It's kind of split between the two, really. But for a long time, we were in that sort of sector and we were competing with in-house production. So we, and we still are. So we have to fight against the BBC for their in-house producers to win work. And, and we, and we had to be better. We always had to be better because there was a massive, for a long time, a massive bias against, you know, there was a big resistance to working with external organizations. That's changed a lot. It's a lot better than it was, but essentially the quality always had to be better. So that was, that was kind of really driven into everybody who worked with us. It's like quality, quality, quality. And I think that still, that still stands. That combined with passion, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about music and broadcasting and I still am. And that's who the, those are the people we employ, whether they're passionate about gardening or film or fashion or food or music. We want people who walk in and, you know, and, and are kind of, they, they do it for free and probably are doing it for free, whether or not they, they worked for you. In terms of the performing part, and you talked about that at the beginning, firstly, I don't know how much of it you do apart from the Jazz FM piece, and secondly, do you miss it, or is that enough of a fix? I think it's probably enough now. The amazing thing that I've been able to do in my career is in the early days of something else, the business, for the first sort of 10 years or so. Well, I've never been off radio since I was sort of 16 or 17, never, um, and Throughout that period as well, in the early days, I was on television quite a lot. So because you know I was on Tomorrow's World and and I was on a children's program called Little Never World. I did quite a bunch of telly, and so I had this amazing period where I was sort of, which is really the business <laughs> took a long while to get going properly. And partly that was because I was sort of buggering about, sort of flying around the world filming for Tomorrow's World, and and uh, that wasn't that was an amazing experience. So I kind of had a period of, and I was on Radio Four a lot doing science programs, and I was. I'd come back to Jazz FM. I was doing for my second time at Jazz FM. I was doing a weekly show. So I had a big period of my life when I was broadcasting a lot, 
And that would also be, I'd be doing like live events and corporate events and all that sort of stuff. So I had a, I had a massive sort of fix of it, if you like. So now doing my show every week is great. And I run a monthly jazz night with Chris Phillips, which we host called Jazz in the Round, where we put on live music and we do various festivals and stuff. So I still get a kind of fix of hosting stuff uh, in one way or another. And in terms of the experience that you bring to bear, either behind the screen or behind the mic, because you've, you've presented... Is that invaluable? Do you think that's part of the, the difference that something else produces in terms of its, its product? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, it gives, it gives a certain amount of, sort of credibility, you know, to have someone at the head of the business who's sort of also a practitioner um, and understands. I mean, you know, some of the people we work with are way more experienced and a hell of a lot better at it than I am, but at least I've got the understanding of how it works and how it feels and that kind of thing. And I think also just having an editorial head, my bit that I've kind of missed out is after I did the job that I hated, I went back to college and did a journalism course, did a postgrad in radio journalism. And I think that was really... Having journalistic skills really, really helps. And the most powerful thing about that was learning how to write. And writing is one of the things that I think is one of the things I'm best at and has enabled me to... I've employed that in all different parts of, of the business, really. So, so yeah, I think I think it helps to have someone... It's not essential, but it's kind of nice when you've got someone who's got a bit of credibility and a bit of experience in broadcasting. And the podcast phenomena. I mean, here we are in a radio studio. This program's been going eight years. It's been a podcast for a while, but podcasts themselves in terms of popularity have exploded. That's good for you. It's amazing. I mean, genuinely, it feels like an incredible moment and it feels like that thing, you know, if you wait around long Long enough... enough, You know, it'll come, it'll come round and, you know, overnight success and all that. It's taken 30 years. But, you know, it feels, I mean, I've just spent the last week actually really immersed in this. I've been sort of writing a business plan around podcasting. And, and actually, when you look at the, the trends globally um, in terms of podcasting, in terms of, you know, the amount of people who are listening, how that's growing, the amount of time they're spending, the amount of money that's being spent, it really is a very special moment, the likes of which you know, audio hasn't seen since, you know, the birth probably of commercial radio. And so it's enormously exciting. And of course, we feel that we're absolutely perfectly positioned to be involved with that because we've got the great kind of heritage and the skills. Um, but we've also, you know, been reasonably kind of quick in getting into into the market and producing a bunch of good content. So, you know what, I can't tell you how exciting it is, but forget the kind of business side of it for a moment. We have spent our careers trying to sell ideas to other people and being at the mercy of people buying them. And all of a sudden, what podcasting has done for me and for the people I work with, it means that we can have a good idea. And if we really believe in it, we just make it happen. And that is so liberating. I mean, creatively, it's so liberating. Stay with me for my final chat with Jess Nelson. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Nina Simone. That's in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Oh, cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Cinnamon, where you gonna run to? Where you gonna run to? All on that day, will I run to the rock? Please hide me around the rock. Please hide me around the rock. Please hide me, Lord. 
That was Nina Simone with the absolutely brilliant Cineman. Jez Nelson's my business shaper just for a few more minutes before we carry on Nina Simone's story, apparently. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Jez Nelson. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> again, that time, uh, my first run round at Jazz FM, uh, 1990, 91, I got to meet so many of my heroes and couldn't believe it and sat down face-to-face with them, as you mentioned earlier on, Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter, Sun Ra, all these people. And I got invited, I asked to go and interview Nina Simone and... <laughs> Drove down to see her in a health farm in Kent. And, yeah, so sort of went into her room and waited. And she came out of the bathroom. And actually, I was with Sunita, who had really introduced me to Nina Simone, really. And, I, and Nina came out, and she sat in her dressing gown um, and nothing else <laughs> in front of me while I interviewed her. And it was a kind of strange experience. And halfway through the... I won't maybe go into the quite the details of it but halfway through the interview the phone rang she picked up the phone and she and she shouted down the phone at her manager like and then put the phone down and then carried on anyway she she was a character (laughs) um tell me about how the money has impacted you or not again we live in this strange time well yeah we live in this strange time where there's this combination of celebrity there's been a worshipping of mammon and of wealth and so on and now we're obviously seeing a backlash in, in all sorts of ways politically around the world for you, though, has it been an important driver or has it been more about, I just need to make some? I think if, we, if I'd have been really massively driven by money, I would have done something completely different. Having said that, I've had what I consider to be an amazing um, life and funded a fantastic lifestyle by working um, in and around things that I absolutely love. So I've you know made some money and I'm well paid and I can do what I want to do and it's enabled me to bring up my family and all that stuff. And who knows in the future what, what we might do with the business. But but I can't, I definitely can't complain. And I constantly, I, I, I've referred to it before, but I had a job that I hated for 18 months of my life and I never go through a week without looking back at that time and reminding myself how lucky I am to be getting up every morning and going to work, doing something I love and being well paid. Are the accolades important to you, Jez? Gold Award winner at the Audio Production Awards 2018 for outstanding contributions to radio. You're a fellow of the Radio Academy. You've had tons of stuff over the years, the pat on the back. Does that matter to someone like you? I mean, it's nice. It's not the driving factor. To be honest with you, um, it is really nice to be kind of recognised by your peers. The, the nicest thing of all is when you produce something, or whatever it is, whether it's something that I've presented or nowadays much more likely something else that our business has made or maybe, you know, I still hands-on exec produce things mainly in television now. When, when you make something like that and that is recognised by... Actually, the best thing is when you get a text from someone you really respect, mm. whether it's a colleague or a friend, saying, I really like that. That's the nicest thing of all. Uh, and just one more question before I ask you about your song choice. The future of something else. You alluded to the fact that who knows where you're going to be, but with the the changes in mind that have happened over the last few years, with this explosion in the, the level of interest in podcasts and in audio, what are you planning for in terms of the, the growth of the business? Okay, so the business is quite diverse, but it kind of is centred around the idea that we make great quality content for brands and for broadcasters, and we always put the audience first. So it's quite diverse because we work across, you know, video, digital, and audio. So I think the business future is about continuing to do all of those things, and the world of brands is sort of moving closer to the world of 
broadcasting. Um, and obviously there's a massive change in the media landscape. So I think keeping abreast of that, keeping up with that and making sure we get to the audience through whichever means and continue to deliver great quality content. Specifically around um, podcasting, I think there's a you know, there's so much headroom in the market and, you know, both in terms of audience, um, but also in terms of the way that advertisers relate to that audience. I mean, we're really at the beginning. And so we're incredibly ambitious about what we do there. And we've got some really exciting sort of partnerships and productions coming down down the line. So it's a massive area for us, obviously. Um, we're already seeing sort of great success with some of the things we do. And I think, you know, we, there'll be a hell of a lot of um, development there for us over the next 12 months. Good luck with it. Thank you. Hope it goes really well. Lovely to have spent some time with you. It's been a you. pleasure. Just before I let you go, from this Jazz FM studio, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So I've chosen um, maybe inevitably Something Else, which is the title track of an album called Something Else from Cannibal Adley, which also features Miles Davis. Such a good brand guy, aren't you? Uh, this is just one of those bits of luck. And again, Chris Phillips is involved in this. When I first was on Jazz FM, my show was just Jez Nelson on Jazz FM. Then Chris and I got paired up to do the nighttime show and back in the day, we were due to go on air at 10 o'clock on a Monday night and we didn't have a name for the programme. I mean, that's how things were in those days. And we went into the Jazz FM library and we thought, we've got to choose a name for, for, for the show. And, you know, Blue Notes, let's look through all the Blue Notes. And something else just popped out at us. So I think probably like an, with an hour to go, we were like, that's a great name. And so that became the name of the programme. And it's still the name of my programme with Jazz FM. And it's the name of my company. And people think it was oh, what an incredibly clever name because it comes up in conversation all the time. You know, oh, we should do something else. Oh, that's you. Um, and it is a great name, but it was so lucky we came up with it. Cannibal Adley with something else, a song choice of my business shaper today, Jez Nelson. He talked about bringing together his love of broadcasting and music. He talked about being fundamentally a hustler. And he also said, really importantly, he didn't want to work for anybody else. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Make sure you don't miss his programme. It goes out at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night. And of course, it's called Something Else here on Jazz FM. That's it from Jazz Shapers and me. Have a great weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazzshapers.